Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Well, we cannot celebrate the resurrection of Jesus enough, which is why we have more than one service on Easter Sunday. And it's why every Sunday serves as a little Easter, no matter what season we're in. No matter what time of year we're in, every single Sunday we celebrate the Lord's Day. Because we as sinful humans tend to lose the plot on this thing. In American Christianity, we have this bad habit of reducing the content of our faith down to a God who wants us to be happy. He wants us to live a moral life. And we like to have him check in on us occasionally to make sure we're doing okay. But otherwise, we're good. That's not Christianity. And there is no need for a bodily resurrection in that American Christianity story. Whenever I watch TV shows with my wife, I'm reminded of the breakneck pace of entertainment today because of our attention spans. I can follow along with things pretty easily, but even even in most of the shows that we watch, I find that I have to constantly pause and ask questions. I have to watch everything with subtitles because whenever people talk, they talk so fast. And my wife and I have to constantly keep each other on track with whatever it is we're watching. Why? Well, because if we don't, we will lose the plot. So Easter is this wonderful opportunity to make sure that we do not lose the plot on our Christian faith. It's a great time to make sure that we get the story straight and reorient ourselves around what God is doing in the world through Jesus, what He is doing in our midst, in our congregation through Jesus. And for that, we turn to 1 Corinthians 15, where St. Paul must help the church in Corinth get the story straight. Many in their midst had bought into this Greek school of thought that the physical body was meant to be discarded and left behind. But for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus flies right in the face of all that. Because for Paul, the resurrection lies at the heart of God's story. The resurrection lies at the heart of God's story. He begins chapter 15 by telling them his intentions to remind them of the gospel which he had already preached to them. That's why they were Christians in the first place. You know, it's interesting to think about whenever Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had yet to be written. So this message of salvation primarily came in the form of the spoken and the proclaimed word. It was this word, it was this news that the Holy Spirit used to create faith and to grant eternal salvation to anyone who would believe it. And at the heart of this word, this message, was the resurrection. The Corinthians stood in this faith through the gospel by which they were being saved, but, and this is what Paul warns against, but they ran the risk of losing this faith because they were wishy-washy on the resurrection. And that wasn't going to cut it for Paul. He wanted to make sure that they knew that the resurrection of the body is essential to the gospel, and therefore it is essential to our salvation. 
He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul's words here, you'll notice a pattern that actually forms the very basis, the the kind of nuts and bolts of what we have come to know as the Apostles' Creed. These words comprise what was the most essential confession in the early days of the Christian church. Whenever Christians confessed that Jesus is Lord, this is what they meant. This is what they meant, that Jesus as Lord means that he died, he was buried, and he was raised. He was Lord because by this work, by this dying, this burial, and this resurrection, he had won his people, you and me, from sin, death, and hell. And for what? So that all who believe in him would share in the bodily resurrection and the life everlasting. The resurrection of Christ in his body, in his flesh and blood, is at the heart of God's story. And it's at the heart of what he is doing in the world through Jesus. And if someone coming back from the dead is too unbelievable, as some would assert, there's even a lot of uh, so-called Christians out there who will teach that the resurrection of Jesus is not a bodily reality, but it's simply as Jesus was just raised spiritually. If it's too unbelievable to believe a bodily resurrection, we have this certain and sure record of witnesses that backs it up. Because the eyewitnesses to Jesus' bodily resurrection testify that God's story is true. You see, St. Paul was not content to just make these audacious claims about a bodily resurrection. And he wasn't content to just throw it out there and hope that the Corinthian church would believe it without anything substantial to verify it. He gives the witness of Peter, then the rest of the 12 apostles, minus Judas. Then he named about 500 whom Jesus appeared to at once, many of whom were still alive at the time of Paul's writing. Then James, the Lord's own brother, then to all those who would later become apostles. In other words, Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand that this story is not a fairy tale. This story does not begin with once upon a time. We confess in the creed that Jesus suffered and was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Why? Because we confess that this happened in real time, in real history, that you can go and check it out. You can bank your entire life and death upon this death and this resurrection because it actually happened. And if you didn't believe Paul during that time, you could go check it out with those who saw it happen. One of the greatest advantages that Christianity has over other world religions, as far as its claims of truthfulness go, is that Christianity, unlike other religions, Christianity is falsifiable. It's falsifiable, and that is a strength. Here's why. If you were of the mind to prove that Christianity is false, how would you go about it? 
Well, you would prove that Jesus is still dead. And back then, that would not have been a problem. Just go find his body. The disciples couldn't steal it because the Pharisees put Roman guards next to the tomb. And all that the Romans and the Jews who rejected Jesus had to do to end all this nonsense, this so-called Christian faith, was prove that the whole thing was a sham by finding a body. And they could not do it. Why? Because Jesus rose again bodily and appeared to all these people. It is not a sham. There is no such thing as a mass delusion on this scale. He appeared to all these people because the bodily resurrection is as real as you and I standing in the places that we are now. And it means that we live as if this were more true than anything else because this is the one story, this is the one reality that gives us hope of eternal life. Because this gospel that Paul preaches in Corinthians, this gospel that I proclaim to you today is not just someone else's story. Through baptism, this has become our story. Through baptism, the resurrection of the body has become your story. How did this bodily resurrection become yours? Paul says in Romans, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, your baptism means that you have died with Christ. His death on the cross was your death. And you've been made spiritually alive by his resurrection through the same spirit who raised him from the dead. Guaranteeing that you will one day be made alive, completely new, raised physically from the grave. The resurrection that we have received in this life through the Holy Spirit is just a down payment. It's a down payment on that future return. Whenever Christ comes again and he raises our bodies and the bodies of all believers. The gospel with the resurrection at its heart is not just yesterday's news, but it is your story. The story that God has brought you into through your baptism. Now that we have our story straight, we have the sure and certain hope that our faith is not anchored in thin air, nor is it merely wishful thinking. We are not left to guess at whether we will be reincarnated in the next life into maybe some, something pleasant, maybe, maybe a famous person, or I don't know, maybe like a majestic bird or something like that. We're not left to guess about that type of thing as other world religions do. We do not have to wonder about whether these bodies that God himself has knit together and has baptized into the body of Christ will be discarded and left in the trash heap as some in the Corinthian church were believing. 
We don't have to worry about that. We gather to celebrate the very real flesh and blood resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God that lies at the center of human history. It's the physical resurrection from the dead that God has been promising ever since the day that physical death entered into creation whenever we fell in the garden. It's the resurrection that he has promised you and it's the reason that he has sent Jesus not only to forgive your sins but to raise you to immortality at his coming. He has promised it. He has proven it. And he will surely do it. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.